Hello and welcome to Audio Mission from Church Mission Society. I'm Trevor Smith. We in the UK are well into the summer festival season, which now lasts from May to September, whatever the weather. This month we're offering you a mini festival for your ears, a festival of hope. Three of our people in mission tell stories of lives changed as they continue to put their call into action, sharing Jesus in word and deed. First to the South American country of Ecuador and Sharon Wilcox, working there through Church Mission Society for the last three years. With a background in special needs education, Sharon went to work with children and young people with learning disabilities at Life in Abundance Trust. She told Jonathan Self about two remarkable young people and the transformation in their lives. Ingrid has cerebral palsy and she can walk with help indoors, but when she's outside she needs a wheelchair. And every week the, the class that she was in would go out to the local field to do PE. And so because Ingrid was in a wheelchair, she was left on the side just to watch. And me being me, I said to her one day, do you want to join in? And she said, I can't. I said, well, if I push your wheelchair, you can. So when the other children were starting to run a race, I would run and push her in her wheelchair uh, so that she could join in. And she used to laugh and she really loved it. And a few, after a few months, the um, school was invited to an open day in another school. And as part of that day, they, did, they had some uh, sports day, so they had uh, running races between about three different schools. And one of the teachers came up to me and said, Sharon, will you run with Ingrid? And I said, OK. So I went to Ingrid and I said to her, do you want to join in? And she said, but I can't do it. I can't run. I said, I'm going to help you. So we lined up on the start line for a 100-metre race. And Ingrid was one of three girls in this race. And she stood up and she held my arm and she said, but I'm going to fall over. And I said, probably, stupidly, I promise I won't let you fall. So the gun went off and we started to run. And three times in that 100 metres, she nearly fell over. But I managed to keep her upright. But we got to the end of the race and she came third out of three. But the smile on her face went from ear to ear. And she looked at me and she said, that's the first time I've ever done anything like that. It was like I'd given her a million pounds or she'd won the Olympic gold medal. And in that moment, I could see that I didn't have to do anything, but God could. And it just meant that she was part of her peer group for the first time in that situation. And it was a wonderful experience for me, but it actually helped everybody else see that she could do more than they thought she could. One of the other situations is there's a young man called Justin who has joined in the new program that we have for school leavers, teaching them life skills. Now he's only 13 years old, so technically shouldn't be with us. But his mother had come to the school and said, can you help because he won't go to school, he doesn't like it, and so his behaviour was such that the schools in the end had to say they couldn't take him. And so in his 13 years, he'd been to school for about three months. So we said, well, he can come along and see if he'd like it. He came along and we were doing things like cleaning and cooking and he seemed to like it. So my colleague said to me, can we try and teach him to write? Because all he could do was write squiggly lines. So we started to try to teach him his name and he could write after about a month, he could write the letter J. We started in August and in February, 
he actually wrote his full name for the first time without any assistance whatsoever. And just to see how much pleasure he got from that when he wanted to show his mum the piece of paper, uh, again, was a, a, a joy for me and a real privilege to have been able to help him. And also with the other life skills that he was learning, he doesn't have any speech, so we also had to learn to communicate with him uh, in a different way. One of the things we always do every day is to have just a small time of devotion. So we read a couple of verses of scripture and we just, in a couple of sentences, explain it and we have a prayer at the end. And just before Christmas, after the prayer had finished, he grabbed hold of my hand and made it known to us that he wanted all of us to link hands. And he closed his eyes and with his sounds, he prayed for the first time in his life. And I know from the sounds he made that he prayed for each one of us by name, as well as for his family. And just to know that that 10 minutes every day enabled him to get to that stage in his relationship and understanding of God was amazing. Give thanks for these seemingly small triumphs, which mean so much, and hold all such children in your prayers. David and Liza Cook have recently returned from Eldoret Diocese in Kenya. It's a region full of rivalry between people groups which exploded in the 2008 post-election violence. David and Liza joined a team of peace builders and also found many other things to do, as they told Jeremy Woodham on a visit to CMS in Oxford. Jeremy first asked David what actually worked when it came to peace and reconciliation. Well, what works is joint activities. We found to our um, amusement and interest and surprise, actually, that sport was 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 important particularly for the ladies and that turned out to be very fruitful in the end i i, I was helping organize and minister and fund women's soccer we tried netball but it didn't work quite so well and we introduced two additional rules over the normal rules having said which i don't think anybody quite applied the offside rule properly but there you go and those two additional rules were no mother tongue on the pitch because if I have a different mother tongue from you, you don't know whether I'm swearing my head off at you and insulting you. And there's a suspicion there which must be alleviated. And the second was that all teams had to be mixed tribe across those borderlands. And we found that that worked very nicely. In fact, it then turned out that the local villages became um, very partisan for their own people, regardless of their tribal background. And that was an enormous encouragement. So we found that. Um, other activities, some, some worked and some didn't. But the very fact where we started was actually sitting and listening with people and saying, what is the problem with the other side? And then when we'd done uh, several months of that, we brought various representatives together and they were outside the usual structures because the usual structures are both formal and funded and therefore politicised. And we brought them together and said, you will now please sit down and listen for an hour or two and you will listen without comment or criticism to what is being said about you and then vice versa. So it was a form of circles and also a form of, of, of really enabling people to be heard. And that was very interesting and actually as a matter of research was, was quite valuable, both quantitatively and qualitatively. So <laughs> that's a thumbnail sketch and where that led was indeed to the, the sport I've talked about and we'd quite like to do choirs actually which would be another useful thing because everybody sings but we never might quite managed to pull that one off. Liza might want to speak now mm. about the CBR. Mm. Yeah Liza you were taking down a, a different road <laughs> that, along all sorts of roads. By an amazing uh, 
series of coincidences. We were put in touch with an organisation here in the UK called Through the Roof, which runs a project called Wheels for the World, where they ship containers of wheelchairs and send out teams of therapists to fit those wheelchairs. So for the last three years, I have worked towards um, an annual distribution of wheelchairs which meant I've been going out with Kenyan colleagues into the field, locating people, assessing them for wheelchairs, organising the whole thing. And we've seen several hundreds of people's lives transformed with the gift of a wheelchair. But more importantly, because disability has many cultural pieces of baggage attached to it, there's an awful lot of rejection still within the community. So the whole inclusion of people with disabilities into the life of the community, the life of the church, extending to them the knowledge that they are as loved as an able-bodied person by other people and by God has been transformational. The most recent wheelchair distribution, we ended up acquiring somebody who I hadn't actually gone out and assessed, but someone heard about us, and the pastor of the church near where this man lived came to find us he'd been severely injured in a road traffic accident uh, he was almost quadriplegic he had some movement in his left arm and it just so happened <laughs> by the grace of god that in the consignment of wheelchairs there was the most amazing all singing all dancing wheelchair that could um, lean backwards could be adjusted all sorts of things so we brought this man in um, he'd been prone for three years so he had to come very early in the morning and the physios from Wheels for the World worked gradually to lift him up because otherwise he would have fainted you couldn't just suddenly sit him up so he was with us for the whole day his family came too they weren't churchgoers some of them, some of them were but not all of them and it was the most remarkable day as we saw this man go from lying down to sitting up where he could interact with people and all throughout the day the family were asking questions and the Kenyan staff and um, the team from Wheels for the World were able to talk about the motivations behind this distribution that the love of Christ compels us into the work and these people were deeply moved and deeply affected and I did a follow-up visit just before we returned to the UK uh, went with the pastor and that man's life has been transformed the neighbours now wait at the gate of his compound because his wife is putting him in his wheelchair every day and wheeling him outside to sit in the sun and talk with people and his whole demeanour was different everything has changed for that family and for that man and it's wonderful I'm sure you are smiling too as you listen to that lovely story. Just one among many lives completely changed by the gift of a wheelchair. Now we turn to a story of God at work in today's globalised and linked up world. Mission partner Amy went with husband David to serve the church and refugees in the Middle East. Here they met someone from a different part of the world who was to become a good friend. Nali is from Sri Lanka and we, we met her almost two years ago, right at the beginning of our time in the Middle East. She is working as a domestic worker and she's had a very, very difficult time. She's a, a single parent of, of one son who is eight years old now. And about a year ago, she became separated from her son when, for financial reasons, she had to send him to Sri Lanka 
to stay with family. It was also governmental reasons. Though he wasn't allowed to have a visa to remain. Yeah. So yeah. because she comes from poverty in Sri Lanka, she had to release him to a family back in in Sri Lanka from the Middle East. And she needed to stay here to earn enough to support him and hoping to save up for their future one day okay. to try and get him out of poverty. And she had come from a Buddhist background but had felt that that religion didn't connect with her an awful lot in the difficulties that she's gone through in her life. It got so bad that at times she'd um, be with us in complete tears and on the two worst occasions said that she felt that she might need to end her own life because she wasn't sure if she could cope with the suffering of being parted from Andy and not seeing hope and not seeing a way forward. The whole time she was really aware of our faith and that we talked about the fact that we prayed for her. And before um, she knew us, there was another Christian family that she knew that had been very dear and close to her, and they moved away. So she started to associate God looking after her in terms of putting people in her life that deeply care for her, that she considered her best friends, uh, as we consider her uh, a dear friend. We carried on praying for her, and I've been able to pray with Nellie a few times. What happened was that her son Andy then had uh, an experience of faith and started praying to, in his words, Jesus and Mary. And this was incredibly surprising to Nellie because it it hadn't come from her. (laughs) And he was encouraging her, you need to pray to Jesus because he's actually listening. And so, you know, a number of things with the encouragement that she received, she knew that that was the source of our faith when we pray for her. She was very open to us, us praying and started to sense really God moving in her life and on a a couple of times when she kind of came through this real darkness and she said to me she knows that God is listening Mm. and she's starting to understand that actually it's because God loves her and then uh, in the period of the last few months she recognized deeply that it was an experience of Jesus and started to wear a necklace of Jesus around her neck. And she said to me that she kisses the, the, the necklace of Jesus in the morning and kisses the necklace of Jesus in the night. And she said, but I'm not really sure how to pray. So uh, can you please give me some some prayers? And, and so I prayed with her again, but she's very, very busy in her work, um, spending lots of time. So she wanted something, uh, some recordings. So we gave her and Andy... David found um, uh, Sri Lankan, in the right dialect, um, worship Praise music. music yeah. uh, she wanted music so that she can give Andy headphones when he goes to sleep on the night. And she wanted praise and worship and prayers. English was okay for some of them, or, or Sri Lankan. And she also wanted to come to church with us um, just on one occasion. It was a very, very big thing for her. She'd never been to a church, so it was a big experience. But she felt that there was this connection with her heart, with the words that she heard about that God is light, that God is love, and she said it was what she was resonating with, and she could hear it in the music, and she was, she, her eyes would light up. And she has come to a point of saying that she knows now that Jesus loves her, that Jesus loves Andy, and that it, it's given her hope and faith. The last part of the story of what's happened is uh, two weeks ago, Nali came to a point of being able to fly out to go to a work situation that she already has been able to visit with the help of some support from the other couple she used to know who have been able to finance her. 
to get to this position of work, she's going to be able to, to live close to where her son is so that he can board, but she can be free to see him um, on weekends, which is a, a miracle. She gives all of that glory to God mm. and specifically to Jesus. Um, she even actually bumped into somebody in Lebanon when she was wearing this necklace of Jesus, and it was a doctor who had been kind to her once. And he said to her, Nelly, how come you're wearing a necklace of Jesus? And she said, she told her story to him. And he got in touch with us and said that he'd like to come to church just from hearing hearing her story of, of, of how she's realised that God's love comes through Jesus and through people that love Jesus. It's good to be reminded of what can happen when people meet other people who simply love Jesus. Here now with a short prayer exercise is Ian Adams, CMS Mission Spirituality Advisor. Following on from last month, it's another in the series Praying with the Body, available in the resources section of our new website at churchmissionsociety.org. It's titled Hand to Heart. Here's an astonishing thing. To pray is to learn how to become present to God who is always present to us. And to discover that God is so close, it is as if God is within us. This experience may be what St Paul referred to as the inner nature, what Peter called the inner self with a lasting beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, and what the Orthodox call the cave of the heart. As you go into prayer today, place a hand to your heart and let it rest there. Say whatever you sense you need to say, and then fall silent. As far as you can, allow yourself to be open to the possibility of God's presence. Let your hand to your heart be a physical sign of your desire to be present. You may like to use this simple prayer with echoes from Scripture. Here I am. Ian Adams bringing this month's audio mission to a close. Thank you for listening and thank you for your prayers. They do mean a lot.